two years after the birth of the Rebbe Marash in 1836, the Rebbe's family was benched with another Simcha. It was the marriage of the Rebbe's sixth son, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak. And he would be marrying his first cousin, Chano. So we spoke already a lot about him earlier. Um, who was the daughter of uh, Dvor Leo, who was married, uh, she was the daughter of the Mittler Rebbe, and, and she was married to Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael of Cherkasa, son of Rabbi Mordechai of Chernobyl, the grandson of Rabbi Menachem Nochem of Chernobyl. And the Chasana would be taking place in Cherkas, where Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael was the Rebbe over there. The entire family traveled to participate in the Chasana, and they, together with the family, Many other Hasidim came, including the famous Hasid of Hillel Parcher. Now, young Shmuel, again, was just two years old at the time, so he traveled to Cherkas also, Cherkasa. However, during the journey, he caught a cold, and, which got worse over time, and the Rebetzin was very worried. And during the Hasid, she asked, or she sent a message to her husband, the Tzemach Tzedek, the Rebbe, for permission to approach the Mechutin, the grandfather of the of the Kala, of, of the yeah, the Kala, the Mordechai of Chernobyl, tremendous Sadik, to ask a bracha for the child. And the Tzemach Sadik said, if you wish to ask him for a bracha, you may do so. And Rebbe Tzinchai Mushka visited Harav Mordechai's place where he was staying, and informed his Gabbai that the mother of the Chassan wants to request something of him. And the Gabbai passed on the message to Harav Mordechai. And he said, okay, let her in. And when he hears her request, he immediately gave his bracha that the young child, Shmuel ben Chaya Mushka, should have a complete recovery. And he then continued, he said, listen, due to my poor health, I'm not even going to be able to make it to the Hasana in person. However, there's a place arranged for me over there and there's going, they're going to put a portion of food over there. Make sure that the child drinks two spoonfuls of soup from my bowl. This is what Rabbi Mordechai of Chernobyl said. And the truth is, if not for my highest in old age, I would feed him these two spoonfuls of soup my, personally. But since I'm unable to do so, I will send my oldest son, Rabbi Aaron, to go instead of me. And it will be as if I myself fed him. And Rab Aaron immediately went over to the house where the child was staying and repeated to him his father's bracha, that he should be completely healed. And then at the wedding meal, the boy was fed two spoonfuls of soup from Harav Mordechai of Chernobyl's bowl. And when Rab Aaron returned to his father, he asked him, what kind of child is he? Rab Mordechai asked Rab Aaron, what type of, like this two-year-old boy, what type of kid is he? And Reb Aaron said, he's a tremendous Baal Tzura, meaning a very great uh, stature, like very, like that you could see he's going to be very smart. He is very smart and he's going to be a, a genius and a leader. Now, although the Marash was barely two years old, these tzaddikin, they recognized in a two-year-old boy how great he would become. Now, already as a young child, the Marash suffered from different uh, sicknesses, diseases, including an extremely slow metabolism. 
Right? So metabolism is the thing that helps you uh, burn energy. So if someone has if someone has a fast metabolism, those are the people that could eat day and night and they'll never gain a pound. If someone has an extremely slow metabolism, they can eat nothing but vegetables and they'll gain weight. That's just how it is. Some people, no matter what you do. So the parents, his parents, the, 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 the Rebbe, the Tzemach Sedek, Rebbe Tzachai Mushka, they were very careful with him what he was given to eat because he was gaining way too much weight for an average boy. When he was five or six, the doctor saw that the blood in his fingers, it wasn't circulating properly. It wasn't flowing the way it should be flowing. So they were scared that if they don't do something, something serious might happen. There might be like a, a stop in the, in the blood vessels over there. It's called a blood clot. And if that happens, they might have to amputate some fingers. Right? Never, such, a thing, such a thing should never happen to anyone. So they informed the Tzemach Sadek and the Rebetzin that it's very important for the boy to do finger exercises a few times a day. And each exercise should, it shouldn't be like a one minute exercise. It should be, it needs to be long. And the parents realize that this is taka very important and they thank the doctors for their advice. However, exactly how are you going to get a child who's five years old to sit there doing finger exercises for hours every day? For, and it's not just like five minutes and then you can pause for 20 minutes, five minutes. It needs to be like large amounts of time at a time. And another problem was that because his fingers were so fat, like it was so big, it was hard for him to, to bend them. And it was even painful to do these exercises. So they had to find a different solution. One that would encourage their son on his own to move and, and move his fingers around. Meaning we need to find an exercise that is exciting and fun. No one needs to remind him to do the exercises. He'll want to do it on his own. So shortly afterwards, they gave young Shmuel a carving knife. And they challenged him. They said, let's see what you could do with this little knife. Now the carving knife is a tiny little knife that you use to, to, to like make designs in wood and things like that. And this would prove beneficial because in order to whittle away, whittle is like the... The, the art of taking little tiny pieces of wood away, it's called whittling. In order to whittle away at, at pieces of wood, especially to carve, to carve it with expert movements, everything has to be held very tight. The wood, the knife, meaning that he'll be getting the exercise. It also has to stay in a certain position for a long time, which again, this is all adding to the exercise. And the Marash responded to this challenge very enthusiastically, wanting to show his parents his uh, talents and creativity. Short time later, he presented them with the first of his many handcrafted artifacts. And the doctors were thrilled at this outcome because he was exercising his fingers much more than what they ever thought he would do. And he was pushing himself to go harder and harder. And this caused the circulation of the blood in his fingers to improve at a much faster pace than it would have if they just would have done what the doctor said to do these finger exercises. 
it wouldn't have been as good. What he was doing was much better. So they were very happy about it. Now in general, the Maharash was a very cheerful child. He could always be seen working on his latest projects, many of which he would show to his father's chassidim. The next story, I think we all know from the poster. Once a certain chassid arrived in Lubavitch with a new fancy high class pocket knife, which was exclusively used by people to craft things out of wood. And in front of some of the other chassidim, he calls over the marash and he says, remember, he's like, what is he, five, six years old? He says, Shmulek, if you can tell me where Hashem is, I will give you this knife. Very expensive. And taking out his own little knife, the marash says, and if you could tell me where Hashem isn't, I'll give you my knife. Meaning he, the answer was that Hashem is everywhere. Where isn't Hashem? And the Hasidim who were there, they were stunned at how, he didn't just think about it, he answered it on the spot. And he said, listen, the Rebbe's son gave a good answer. He wins the challenge, he deserves the prize. And the Hasid gives this valuable knife, very expensive knife to the Maharash. Now, over the years, the Maharash developed his expertise in this and he, got, he became very accomplished. And among the many items that he created with his own hands for personal use was a six-foot-tall candelabra that had 12 lights on it, as well as a round table, which is presently in the Rebbe's room in 770. So the, how, how did the Rebbe get this? Just a very quick story. In, in 1947, there's a small round table in the Rebbe's room in 770. So when the Rebbe traveled to France... It's the only time the Rebbe ever went on an airplane. The Rebbe flew by airplane to France to bring his mother from France after World War II to bring his mother from France to America. Now they came back by boat, I think. But the, the Rebbe flew there by plane. And while he was there, the Rebbe met Mrs. Hannah Oizerman. Hannah Oizerman, we're going to get to her later, she was a granddaughter of the Rebbe Maharash. The Rebbe Maharash's youngest son, Rabbi Menachem Mendel, was uh, very young. Um, I think he, he passed away in the middle of World War II, to give you an example. The son of the Rebbe Maharash. He wasn't killed by the Nazis, but he died in, in, a, in an island that was controlled by France. Anyways, now they moved him to... to they, we'll, we'll talk about him later. Anyways... Um, so she, this, this Mrs. Hannah Oizerman was, was the daughter of Rebbe Nachem Mendel Schneerson, the son of the Rebbe Marash, the Rebbe Rashab's brother. So at that time, she expressed her intention to give this table that her father had treasured to the Rebbe, the Rebbe meaning the Friedrich Rebbe, as a present. For whatever reasons, the Rebbe was not able to transport it to New York at that time. However, the following year, when the chassid of Bianco Lipsker and his family moved from France to the United States, they brought this table with them to the Rebbe. Now, very often, just an interesting note, the four legs at the bottom are positioned at their, their equal distance from each other to make everything equal. And what happens is in order to keep it straight, you need what's called a crossbar that it connects these two, and then it connects the other two, so, right? So everything's even. But because they didn't want to even do such a thing like that, which 
could be looked at as a tzelem, as a cross. So the crossbars, you look at the table today, it's one of the, the, one of the edges are, one of the sides are turned a little, so it doesn't make a cross. Anyways, going weiter, the, 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 the Marash was always, his whole nature was to strive to do more than what was expected of him. So after having mastered woodworking, right, working, he wanted to do something else that would work with his fingers, he began to do other things that needed much more skill than that. So when he was younger, he would, he would finish his homework way before his classmates, and he would sit down and he would have a watch, and he would sit there and take apart the watch. Now let me tell you something, to take apart a watch, a watch has so many tiny little pieces in it, like, like an expert a watch repair guy, there's a reason why you need to go to an expert, because it's, once you open up that watch, things can go flying everywhere if you don't know what you're doing. So he would take the whole thing apart and put it all back together. And that would, that, that need a huge exercise for the fingers. <clears throat> um, hold the tools and the pieces and everything. So at the end of the day, this, this was t- the, con- this, all these exercises were helping with the concern of the circulation of his blood and his fingers. But at the end of the day, there was a huge problem that the Rebbe Maharash was gaining a tremendous amount of weight. So to deal with this issue, the Rebbe, the Rebbe Maharash was put on a special diet to eat what in those days was considered healthy food. Today, we say what he ate was unhealthy and what everyone else ate was healthy. So while everyone else in that part of Russia used barley flour for bran to make their challah and bread, his bread was made from white wheat flour. Now, white bread was uncommon in white Russia. And you had to like make a special request for it, which they did. It was considered very expensive, but for the, his health, they said it's worth it. Um, but whether he actually ate the bread, that's another story. Noticing that all his friends, they, when they see him pull out his white bread sandwich, whatever, and they get all jealous of him because they have the cheap junky stuff. So what did he do? He switched sandwiches with a poor boy who there's no way he could have ever afford this stuff. And this behavior continued for a while until his mother found out what was really happening. Uh, with the sandwiches that she was preparing for him each day. And she said, don't you know I'm preparing these, this bread for your health? He's like, yeah, I know. So why are you switching it? And, and, she, and he says, Mommy, when I grow up and become Rebbe, how am I going to demand from Hasidim what I don't demand for myself now? So after hearing her son's explanations on that, uh, the Rebbetson started preparing two sandwiches for him every day. One for him to eat and one for him to exchange. Later on, during his teenage years, he also learned safros, and at the wedding of each of his children, he presented the chassan with a Megillus Esther, which he personally wrote. We're going to get to these Megillus later. Um, additionally, the Rebbe Marash learned Mila and Shechita. Sometimes he would serve as Mayal and Shechet, and we will stop over there for today.